everybody. Welcome to the 277th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling here, ready to talk about this prospect. Yeah, I mean, this is the Future Friday. We are looking at Benedict Matherin, 6'6", 210-pound guard out of the University of Arizona. He is 19, will turn 20 on draft day. He is from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, a four-star prospect by rivals in the class of 2020. He chose Arizona over Baylor. Some accolades so far this year uh, for Benedict. Uh, He was a 2021 preseason uh, pick for the first team, all Pac-12. Also on the preseason watch list for the Jerry West Shooting Guard Award. And this past summer, he helped Team Canada win bronze in the U-19 FIBA basketball games um, for his home country. Some notes on that where he had a really breakout summer in the seven games that Canada played. uh, Matherin averaged 28 minutes, scored 16.1 points per game, which was seventh best in that under-19 tournament. Uh, Four boards per game. He shot nearly 49% from the floor which was the ninth best player uh, of anybody in that tournament. And he was just one of two players in that tournament to have two games or more of 30 plus points. Uh, Currently for the Arizona Wildcats, they are uh, 19 and two. They are ranked fourth in the AP, fifth in the coaches poll. And through uh, February 7th, when I put these statistics down, uh, Benedict is averaging 16.5 points, uh, six boards, two assists, shooting 45.6% from the field, 35.8% from three, 74.1% at the line, doing all of this in 31 and a half minutes at a player efficiency rating of 19.5. And we are going to get into their big game against Illinois from December 11th of 2021. And this was actually a precursor for how good both teams were going to be. Um, Arizona, I don't believe, was even ranked in the preseason top 25, yet they were 11th at the time, undefeated. Uh, Illinois has a great big a preseason All-American in Kofi Coburn. And this is just a, a really incredible atmosphere and environment to go into for, for such, I think, an unproven and untested team. And it was really a fun game to watch, whether you were scouting someone or not. I mean, just the ebbs and the flows, there were at least six or seven major runs uh, from each team and just a fantastic game to watch. But Arizona ended up getting that victory 83-79. This was statistically Matherin's best performance of the season uh, to date. He had played almost the entire game. Uh, I, I made a note of that in the notes. He basically got a minute of game time substitutions. Uh, So we played 39 minutes, put up 30 points, shot 10 of 17 from the floor, five of eight from downtown, five of six at the line, added in seven boards uh, to go uh, along with those uh, game high 30 points. Uh, As I mentioned, Arizona stayed undefeated and is going to get, I mean, the way Illinois is playing right now in the big 10, that's going to be a major resume builder for the Arizona Wildcats on their way to their pursuit of a number one seed in March's upcoming NCAA tournament. But Sage, let's dive in to uh, Matherin as a prospect who is projected by nearly every uh, mock draft to go in the top 10. He is part of this loaded 
uh, wing draft class along with Johnny Davis of Wisconsin, Jaden Ivey of Purdue, uh, AJ Griffin uh, of Duke. I mean, th- this is a, if you need a wing, this is the draft class to go out and get one. And this was really, this wasn't my first look at Matherin with him being in Arizona. I get the Pac-12 network. Uh, I watched their game against UCLA. I've watched them play a little bit against USC. Um, clearly with them being so high in the standings, they're going to be on TV a bit. So I had a little bit of, of knowledge of Matherin before watching this game. And we specifically chose this game because it's always great to see maybe what the peak could be of that player. Like, you know, it's not always going to be that on a nightly basis, but you know, you mentioned it to me on, on text. We, we want to see if this player can, can knock our socks off. Like what, what is the, the ceiling? What is the sky going to be for this prospect? So this is the reason we chose that game. And, and let's get into it, Sage. What was what was some of the, the notes that you had, uh, especially right off the bat when it came to Benedict Matherin? From what the media and draft Twitter says, he's supposed to be like a secondary ball handler. And when I watched him uh, a few days ago against uh, USC, I thought of him and looked at him as that secondary ball handler. And I was completely and totally underwhelmed. But when I looked at him in this game as that off-ball shooter, I liked him a lot more. He he is a very good athlete. The way that he scored, and I know like we picked this game for a reason because he, the ball went in, but he showed different ways of scoring, like off-the-bounce movement. He was hitting in a lot of different ways. He's able to show his athleticism in, in that off-ball role because he is such a good cutter. Like when he cuts, it's really precise and it gets to the rim. And then he can use that God-given athleticism to throw it down. If he can utilize all of the skill set that he has, but not being the primary. And I think that in Arizona, he has to be the primary because they don't really have a point guard. So he's doing a lot of work in the, the pick and roll and, you know, off dribble shooting. In the NBA, he's not going to have to do those things so he can just be that off-ball score. And if you, an, a team is creative enough so he doesn't have to use his bad handle and can get to the rim without having to dribble, he can be a very, very good prospect. It's just that the, the NBA team has to know his strengths and weaknesses coming into it, utilize all of the gifts that he has in the shooting in the uh, cutting using his athleticism to score the basketball. Yeah. What really jumped out at me was uh, his hot start. I believe he had like almost all of 11 of Arizona's first points or he had 11 early points and watching the game throughout nearly everything that he got was off of somebody else's assistance. Like he is, it was almost like I was watching a little bit of Johnny Davis where he was getting moving without the ball, finding the open spots. And he was, you know, came off the curl quite a bit for those threes. And that's where he did the the majority of his work. I think I, I echo your sentiment with, I don't think he's going to be the type of playmaker, maybe like a Jaden Ivy where you're going to want him putting the ball on the floor. Um, I noticed that he really likes putting up those one-legged runners. He got about four of those. So it's like he gets to a spot and he doesn't really know what he wants to do with it. I think he has good intentions as a playmaker, but but there, there needs to be a lot of improvement. There was uh, back-to-back turnovers in the first half I saw where he was trying to lob it into the bigs, which missed the mark completely. Um, he is 
comfortable dribbling in the open court, but I think he runs head on into the defenders quite a bit, showing that he 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 just doesn't have that that counter or he's not seeing the game one to two steps ahead. But you do see the flashes when it comes to a playmaker. He had a really nice pocket pass to his his big man, uh, Christian Coloco, uh, to start the second half off of the pick and roll. Uh, it was right in the breadbasket. It bounced off his hands, but that was an easy uh, pick and roll uh, layup that should have happened. And he had a really good hockey assist coming off of that hot start. When he was coming off of the curls, the defense really started to have to pay attention to him. So he made a laser pass into the post, which then was rerouted underneath the basket for a, a layup for, for the Wildcats. So I think you have to credit him for, for that assist. And with him being so young, you can see that there is room for him to grow as a secondary playmaker. I don't think he's ever going to be a primary at the two guard, but there was some good intentions there. You can you can peel back the layers and say, I can potentially see what this uh, finished product is going to be. But um, one thing I noticed, Sage, and you said he was athletic, and I heard that the, the announcers really uh, – hammer that point home I would say he's athletic but he's he's not overly quick and I don't think he's explosive at all that's why I said good athlete I don't think he's like the crazy like Nasir he's not Nasir Little when it comes to athleticism he he has functional athleticism but it's not going to be like some crazy like top shot he's not Jade Nivey in the athleticism department I think that that really has uh, impacted him so far through this collegiate season. And it's one of the biggest notes that I had, not only this game, but, but watching him so far is he struggles mightily at finishing around the rim. I mean, I've watched at least three games of him and I haven't seen him finish in traffic. So he'll put the ball down and he just doesn't have that elite explosiveness to finish with, with the dunk. So he's trying to contort his body into these, these layup packages and he's getting, you know, defended really well at the rim. So maybe that's why he was attempting all of the, those floaters, but he, he's going to have to find a way to score when he's in the paint. I mean, all successful guards in this league know how to get into the lane and, and finish. So that's, that's, that was the, the, one of the biggest red flags for me was the ability to finish at the rim as a six, six guard. Yeah. And I think the lack of handle compounds his lack of finishing with the ball in his hands. Like I saw him lose the ball on like straight downhill drives. So not being able to have a competent dribbling probably negatively affects how well he finishes at the rim, just because if he's not confident dribbling in space, he's not going to be confident enough to, you know, drive into the lane and try and finish. I do think like as a cutter, he is a good finisher, but anything with the ball in his hands is kind of risky just because that handle is so it's not good enough period. I don't want to say bad, but it it, it is a uh, lackluster handle. So it makes everything so much harder when he can't make it happen for himself. Like I, I could see him doing stuff in transition when he is the guy just running and he gets fed by a point guard. And, you know, the, this Arizona team does not have a real point guard in my eyes. He, he's put in that position where he has to be part of the offense in initiating. And that's kind of just not fair to the player that he is right now. He's just not that type of guy. I think his passing and his vision is fine. It's just 
You're not putting a guy who's fine at that stuff in the lead. We need him to have like a pretty high usage rate for us to win. So it's, he's put in a bad position, but again, if you just look at the shooting and the ways that he scores, that is a lot of NBA equity in his game already. Don't put him in that position where he has to, you know, make that decision with the ball in his hands as he's dribbling. Yeah, I would say that one of the biggest things that stood out to me um, in a positive light was he looks the part. Oh, absolutely. Like you go to a game, if you had no idea what the players were on the floor, like that guy is an NBA player, especially at his position. I mean, he's got the perfect height, 6'6". He's got an athletic slender build. Like if you're doing a creative player in 2K, like he just looks fucking cool. Like I, I don't know how else to put it there. He, he looks the part and he gets really high elevation on, on his jump shot and he's got, got pretty decent form. However, I noticed a couple of times he would um, either uh, jump forward or jump to the side when, when he was on uh, the curl or, you know, getting ready to pull up from three. So I think that's something that may have to be tweaked because when you get so high, I mean, clearly you're able to move in, in um, while you're elevating. So it'll be interesting to see how he's able to, work on that over the course of his career, because I mean, using that much elevation on a jump shot can be tiresome over the course of what will be a 48 minute game in the league. Sage, I thought he had decent form on his jump shot, but does it look like he releases it just a bit on the way down? You know, hmm. I kind of get what you're saying, but I, I need to watch more than two ga- two games of him to really understand his jump shot. I mean, like in this game, we picked it because he shot it and it made it. So it doesn't matter if, if the if the ball goes in. There's been some some uh, weird jump shots that if it goes in, it doesn't really matter. But I think that I need to watch more of him in terms of his form to really know what what's wrong with it or and what's right with it and i'm not really a shot doctor so you know as long as it goes in i'm happy it doesn't need to be you know beautiful it just needs to go in so yeah i i i'm not too sure on his his form so we focused offensively uh on benedict matherin what did you think of his defensive potential how he performed in this game both off ball and on ball i hate his off ball defense I like legitimately, I think, I think the two reasons why you and I in that UCLA game were negative on Benedict is that we had the secondary playmaker guy in our heads, or at least for me, I shouldn't talk about this for you, but I had the secondary ball handler in my head and good defender off ball and on. And then when I watch him, like he just sits and watches in help defense. And oh like, my God, I had that on my notes. I said, he watch. he's a ball watcher, like none other. And you, when you look at him, you think, Oh, he's going to, he's going to clamp up. No, he, he, and he, he, he did. He had he, two plays where he took the ball away from the defender. And then he basically was like a free safety and intercepted the entry pass to Kofi, Kofi Coburn. But the, the rest of the time, you're absolutely right. Say he was, he was not only ball watching, but I, I made a note that he rarely raises his hands above his waist off ball. Like he's not active. He's he's not putting a, a butt on somebody and trying to box them out. Uh, I don't know if it was because of only getting a minute a, of substitution time to rest, but I noticed that the entire game. So that I was noticed re- that two full games where he just wasn't. 
One of my notes says Benedict doesn't make the offense feel him at all defensively. Like he'll make some plays, but he's not engaged off ball. Yeah, he's not not an engaged defender. That is a, that is a great point. I feel like he just has bad feel of where to be. Like when you watch a guy like Johnny Davis, he uses both hands in off ball coverages. And I don't think Benedict was in the right position on the off ball. Like when they were, when he was in help, he was just not in the right position a lot and would like point at his guys to direct him where to go. So I guess he communicates well with his inactiveness defensively, but he just isn't in the right place. Doesn't use good technique. Like, I put his role at point of attack defender because his off ball defense sucks in my notes. So it's, 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 it's a thing. It's happened both games that I've seen him. He might have a few plays here or there, but like it's generally a bad defense and bad effort and bad feel for me when I watch him uh, on that side of the floor. Absolutely. And I would say even as a point of attack defender, I saw a few times where he would make one move, the defender would go by him and he would just give up. Like he yeah, would yeah. just give up and kind of turn around uh, there. And it makes me almost wonder, Sage, is he a player you need to rev up? You know, we always talk about players who maybe have to like calm down. Like you'd rather coach them to calm down because they're so juiced up. Is he a player that is going to have to go to the right coach that can push those right buttons to get him engaged? Because clearly the talent is there, but it's, it's a little worrisome to me that you're playing a really great team on the road in a fantastic environment. And, and I just, I didn't see what I needed to see on the defensive end of the ball from him. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Cause there were times, and I guess I'm using the UCLA game as a reference. UCLA was also a huge game in the PAC 12 in another fantastic environment. Yeah, and, and the one and the one play that I saw that that I re- remember is him blocking like a uh, a fast break. So he absolutely positively has the skill set to be a good defender. It's just that he hasn't done it in any of the games we've seen. And I will admit it, it was only two full games, but in those two full games of forty eight minutes or forty minutes, eighty minutes, it's it's just not there as a defender. And I think that's a humongous reason why you and I did not like him as a prospect is the defense, the, the, the off ball defense. Like he's not, I I don't know where his role is. If he's going to use that level of effort on the, in the NBA, I I mean, his role is going to be on the bench chilling next to Chauncey Billups. If he's going to use that type of effort in an NBA game. One of the last things I noticed, and it was kind of hilarious to me because it was something that I've seen players do when I played city league basketball, the dude raises his hand and calls for the ball. Like I've never seen before in my life. Like I know everything is like, I want the ball. I want like, and just like, and he would make a pretty good decision with it. Like he wasn't chucking, but he was like, dude, just give me the ball. Like I, I want the ball. Like we just getting a stop. Like I'm over here. Hey, I maybe got one guy on me. Like I have never seen that before in just in scouting a prospect. So that was a little interesting. He plays offense kind of like a a 2K rec player where if you hit a, you call for the ball. So like, Oh, you do that. And my player too, all the time. If you're like a shooting guard and you want somebody. Yeah. You hit a, you spam a, or you spam X. Like that is how he plays offense. He makes decent decisions with the ball in his hands, but 
he's yeah he, he's aggressively hitting a trying to get the ball from his point guard and i get it like his point guard isn't the best uh you know point guard in the in the college game so i guess him making decisions is good but you know if he's playing with anthony simons and damian lillard he is going to be at best the third option on the court so I, I'm, he might need to chill and just be happy with the usage that he has already because it, it's a uh, it, it's a lot with Arizona. So yeah, I, how do you? It, he is the worst prospect that we've uh, scouted this this draft season since we've been going with the, the top tier guys. I, I think that he is a a full tier, maybe two tiers down from like the Johnny Davises and the Jaden Ivies of the world. Like I he's think still he is, a, he's a tier three, but he's, I, I mean, he's a guaranteed lottery pick. I, I would have no problem if the, the new Orleans pick was like 13 or 12 and, and Matherin's on the board. I think he has enough potential where you, you roll the dice late lottery. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest there, especially if you get a really good big with, with, with your own pick, um, at the top of the draft. It's just, you're absolutely right. I think he's not just one tier below. I think he's two tiers below uh, both Johnny Davis and, and Jade Nivey in my, my opinion right now. But I, I would say from where he began as a freshman to his development over the summer um, to currently at Arizona, he is, he is on that progression. And it is also, like you said, Hard to see how these players uh, play in a collegiate environment. He doesn't have the best point guard. Uh, he probably wants, feels like he's the best uh, option for them with the ball in his hands. And there are certain things that that do translate. I, I would say the red flag for me was the lack of explosiveness and the kind of the, the laissez-faire uh, defense where it's just, it's just too nonchalant for me. I need to see a guy who's doesn't matter if you're playing at the Y, if you're playing in college, or you're playing, you know, preseason game in the NBA. I want to see a, a guy locked in defensively, especially with where Portland has been and where they're trying to go in terms of two-way talent. And and the tools that he has, he 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 absolutely has the tools to be a good defender. Absolutely, it's just in the times that we've seen him, he hasn't shown it. Me, it's flashes. It's it's flashes of brilliance mixed in with just blah defensive uh, attention and effort. I had a really difficult time with Same. his comps. Um, I, I don't a, have a I don't have a low one because it would just be like random wing NBA. Yeah, I, I had a very difficult time with the 50 and the 99. So I'll say my, my low end comp is he's out of the league before his after his rookie contract. I mean, that, that's just just how it is. There's a lot of lottery picks who don't make make it to their second contract. And I think that's, you know, a fair assessment of a inconsistent player with with a lot of potential. Uh, were you able to get a, a middle of the road comp? It's a starting wing or no, it, it's like a rotation wing player that is his middle of the road comp. The one that I feel pretty good about is Andrew Wiggins at his like, you know, 90th percentile. Both of them have issues dribbling the ball. But when Andrew Wiggins is put in a, on a, a team with Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, and he can be the fourth option, he looks pretty damn good at that, in that role. So I think Wiggy is like a top tier uh, comp for him. 
I, I think that's a, a really solid comp. Even you could say like his, maybe his ceiling is what Wiggy is doing this year. I think that's yeah. a really solid comparison. The one that came to me right off the bat was the middle of the road. And it was one of my least favorite Blazers of all time. It was Derek Anderson. Fair and enough. Derek Derek Anderson was out of Kentucky. He also looked the part. I mean, he had that sleek, athletic build, 6'6". He was brand Jordan before being brand Jordan was a thing. And his downfall was he had a similar jump shot where he released a little bit on the way down. He tried to hang in the air way too often. He tried to be MJ, unfortunately, and he was just so inconsistent. He would have games where he looked like an all-star guard. And then he would have games where he probably shoot like five of 17. Um, I think you maybe get a, a player who thinks better than, than who they are. You know, he's he, Derek Anderson. Wasn't really a playmaker. Uh, he wasn't known for being a, a good defender, even though he had all of the tools um, but what also stands out was Derek Anderson's best year was under Greg Popovich in San Antonio came to Portland oh, right, and coach. he didn't really see it. So I think with Matherin, it's going to have to be right place, right situation, right coach. But I saw a lot of Derek Anderson in, in Matherin's game. Um, so, so that, that really <laughs> concerned me because I remember not enjoying the Derek Anderson experience as a Blazer fan in the early two thousands. So minimal. The mid tier is Wiggins on the Timberwolves. The high tier is Wiggins on the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I mean, when but you that, have again, those red that, flags, it kind of creates like the 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 archetype of what you could be. And Wiggins absolutely has those. So a better shooting Andrew Wiggins is at his absolute peak. There was one where I was like, okay, he could be Jerry Stackhouse, like that all star role player type of thing but i don't know i feel like wiggins is a much better comp for him yeah stackhouse had much more athleticism and explosiveness man like i i don't i don't see the, the that first step or just that ability to rise and, and finish over somebody at the at the cup like jerry had coming out of unc so i think i have him at tier four um your tier three yeah i think he's a lottery pick i think he's a guaranteed guaranteed lottery pick i mean it sounds like we're being very low on him for the last 10 minutes, but he is a very good prospect if the role is right for him. If he goes to like San Antonio or one of those teams with the creative coach, I think he could hit that Wiggins with that Wiggins ceiling. But like, I don't think Chauncey Billups is the right coach for Benedict Matherin. And gets drafted with the 11th pick or whatever, I, I'll be fine with it and I'm trying to convince myself. But today, without the, the luxury of knowing where our picks are, I don't think he is the right guy for the Portland Trailblazers with the current coaching staff involved in him. I think that Chauncey is going to stick him like at the point of attack defensively and try and make him like just a corner sitter and it's not going to go well. Because I, I think one of the ways that he shows his value is in a in a scheme where there's a lot of like options to go off of not just sit and watch whoever the main ball handler is try and uh try and score i mean we we can't like gush about every we have every prospect we have to be realistic with with what we're seeing with our eyes it just happened to be the first few prospects we did on this uh series have been the tier one tier two guys so now we get a little bit into the late lottery where portland could be picking especially after that that cj mccollum trade so 
Um, I think it's always good to know what the the highs and what the lows are because you know it, it can't. You're not going to draft Tracy McGrady or Kevin Garnett every single year. Like you're going to get maybe With Andrew Wiggins, pick. and you're yeah. going to have to see how how Wiggins can fit. Yeah. So uh, next week, I would like to do the uh, Kentucky versus LSU game because there was two prospects in it. A very uh, interesting point guard kind of there was going to be comps to Darius Garland and rising then, up the boards too. Yeah, yeah. Kennedy, Kennedy Chandler. And then, uh, Eason from LSU. I Wait, are you talking about Kentucky or Tennessee? Because I was talking about Ty Ty Washington. I was talking about Tennessee, LSU. You said Kentucky LSU. Oh shit. Well, Tennessee, we'll, we'll, be, doing, we'll be doing an sec podcast <laughs> next. Week. Yes. Yes. We will be doing an sec podcast and I'm keeping this in cause I don't care, but yeah, like, I. I, SEC has a lot of good teams and a lot of good ball players. So 